This is VLX number 136. We are in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. The first commandment. VLX stands for Video Lexi Divina, your patristic Bible study and Ignatian prayer series online. God give you his peace and nomine patris afidi et spiritu santi. Amen. God, our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In nomine patris afidi et spiritu santi. Amen. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So in verse 34 right there we hear, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And the verb for silence there in Greek is ephimosin. Ephimosin means silenced, and it's defined as to muzzle, to stop the mouth, to make speechless, to reduce to silence, and to be kept in check. Keep in mind we are within a week of Christ's crucifixion. And so you have these two different groups of enemies, actually more than just two groups, but two main groups of enemies circling Jesus, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we're noticing that it is Christ's truth that's silencing them, not any magic tricks like they want to accuse him of doing. You see, Jesus is the truth, capital T, truth, and Jesus speaking the truth reduces them to silence, keeps them in check. Hence that word in Greek right there, ephemosin. You ever notice even in modern world history, anytime one group does not want to hear the truth, they make themselves the victims and then they punish with silence or censorship the one who's speaking the truth. So today the Pharisees see in the last VLX that the Sadducees could not defeat him with their tricks, so they get together their own tricks. Father Lapide says, They wished to humble him. Imagining him to be puffed up and elated with his victory over the Sadducees and to hurl back upon him the charge of ignorance of the scriptures which he had brought against the Sadducees. But these foolish men only kicked against the goad so that, having been defeated once by Christ, they are defeated again by him even more disgracefully. For he is truth and eternal wisdom who reveals and demonstrates to all men the darkness of their ignorance." So right there what we see is conviction of conscience. They want to silence him because their own consciences are convicted. Verse 35, And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Now catch this. This lawyer, says Father Lapide, quote, Although he pretended in the presence of the Pharisees that he wished to catch and entrap Jesus, yet in his heart he desired to hear what Jesus would reply to this most difficult question, about which he himself hung in doubt. He desires, therefore, to be taught by Jesus. End quote. Okay, so how does Father Lapide know the heart of this lawyer? How does he know the Pharisees employed not a full enemy of Christ, but someone kind of open to the truth? Is it because Father Lapide claims some type of private revelation like many people claim today? No, he just knew his Bible. He knew this was the same event of Mark 12. Listen closely. 
Which commandment is the most important of all? This is from Mark 12, a scribe. And then Jesus answers, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Okay, so again, that was Mark 12, and today we're in Matthew 22. But Father Lapide based that answer, that, ba- that answer was based on the Father's, knowing this is the same scribe or lawyer, and how do we know he was of goodwill? Because, here's the thing, everybody, a total enemy of Christ would not have said, you are right, teacher, you have truly said that he is one. So, basically, the Pharisees in today, in Matthew 22, they've employed a canon lawyer, but he was one of the few good canon lawyers, and they didn't realize it. Rewind about two minutes if that sounds like a stretch, and you can hear, I'm getting this right from Father Lapide, who's getting it from the Church Fathers. Or really, he got it from Matthew. Uh, he actually got this from Matthew and Mark, knowing this was the same scribe. And also really quick, this is a similar discussion, different event, but similar discussion to yesterday's gospel. If you went to the traditional Latin Mass, that's the 12th Sunday after Pentecost, if you're listening in real time. Well, that contained Luke 10. And in Luke 10, just before you heard the parable of the Good Samaritan yesterday, you probably heard this, quote, A lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Okay, let's keep going on Matthew 22 today. Verse 36, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Let's learn a little Greek here. So commandment in Greek is entole. Entole in koine, that's the more ancient Greek. Maybe it's the same today. I didn't actually look at modern Greek. But ancient Greek or koine Greek, it's entole. And then the adjective there is megale. Same root word or cognate for mega or the prefix mega in English. So we have entole megale, the great commandment. Father Lapide quotes St. Augustine in saying, The three commandments of the first tablet deal with the love of God. It's talking about the Ten Commandments. The three commandments of the first tablet deal with the love of God. The seven commandments of the second tablet deal with love of our neighbor. You see, a lot of Christians today, including Catholics, they rightly picture there's two tablets of the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses, and they're correct about that. But here's the thing, it's not five and five. You don't have five commandments on one tablet and five on the other. There's three commandments on the first on how to love God, and there's seven on the other tablet, the second tablet, on how to love your neighbor. Well, what we're going to see in this podcast or video today is that the left tablet with the three is the great commandment. This is the great commandment to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. All three of those summarizing how to love God. And then the next seven is the summary or the individual aspects of how to love your neighbor. 
Okay, but wait a minute. Wouldn't all Jews have known this if even you, I'm sure that half of the listeners out there knew it wasn't five and five on the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. It's three and seven. Didn't the Jews know that? Yeah, but Father Lapide quotes St. Bede in saying that this question of the greatest commandment in the first century, quote, was a very controversial question among the Jews in the time of Christ. Many of them thought that the chief commandment of the law concerned sacrifices and victims to be offered to God according to the law in Leviticus 1, end quote. But then Jesus answers this debate very clearly in the next verse, that's verse 37. And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now, of course, Christ said this in Aramaic, but Father Lapide often likes to look at some of the other ancient Near East languages to see how this was translated in the earliest days. And so he points out Moses in Deuteronomy 6.5 and therefore Mark and Luke add with thy whole strength the Syriac says, with all thy virtue or power, that is, with every effort of the heart and mind, for here heart and soul and mind have the same meaning. The Ethiopian reads, all thy virtue, that is, all your strength, and from all the power belonging to thee. That's again in the Ethiopian of the earliest text of the Bible. And from You're supposed to love God with all of the power belonging in yourself. Isn't that amazing? The Persian, that's the Iranian, the Persian has to the utmost extent of your mind. How many of you can say you love God to the utmost extent of your mind? Now, doesn't that sound a little bit extreme? You'll often hear people quote St. Thomas Aquinas saying, virtue is in the mean. But when most lukewarm Catholics quote that, they usually mean something like, well, you don't want to be as extreme as National Catholic Reporter to the left or as extreme as Bishop Williamson to the right. But here's where they're wrong. Truth isn't found at the peak of a bell curve on an opinion poll. You have to remember that many of the Jews of the first century on the day that Jesus was crucified probably said something blasphemous like, well, he was a good guy and maybe he was even a healing prophet, but he went too far and he probably got what he deserved. I mean, you saw Catholics saying things like that when Cardinal Burke caught COVID and was on a ventilator. Yeah, people can be so cruel. But again, truth isn't found at the peak of a bell curve on an opinion poll. How do we know this? Well, first, because for St. Thomas Aquinas, the cardinal virtues or the moral virtues, when he says virtue is in the mean between these two vices, you have to remember, first of all, that some society, even a Catholic society or semi-Catholic society, might very well espouse one of those two vices at different times in church history. So therefore, truth and virtue isn't even determined by the majority. Virtue for St. Thomas Aquinas is this mountain between two valleys that most people fall into. So we gauge that by the saints, not by most Catholics in any isolated time in church history. Secondly, St. Thomas Aquinas meant that virtue is the mean for the cardinal virtues, the moral virtues, not the theological virtues. Okay, what's the difference here? Well, you could fall into, say, too much obedience or too little obedience. You can fall into too much courage or too little courage. I think St. Thomas Aquinas calls too little courage cowardice and too much courage foolhardiness. The moral virtues, you can err to one of the two sides. But here's the beautiful thing of our Catholic faith. You can never have too much faith and hope and charity. And that's the teaching of St. Thomas Aquinas, and it follows exactly what our Lord is saying today. 
You see, we're called to aim our level of faith and hope and charity to follow that of the Blessed Virgin Mary. For St. Thomas Aquinas said her faith and hope and charity while she was on earth bordered on the infinite. Now, why aren't we talking about Jesus here? It's because Jesus, when he was on earth, he only had charity, just as he does in heaven. Jesus, even in his humanity, did not have faith and hope. Why? Because he already had the beatific vision. He didn't need that. Meaning on earth, he was only charity. He was love itself walking the earth, but as a total human in his flesh. But because the center of Mary's humanity, she is a human person. Remember, Christ is a divine person with a human nature. Mary is a human person with a human nature. Of course, divinized like all saints, as we read that the goal of salvation is to become partakers of the divine nature. But remember that Mary had an ever-increasing faith and hope and charity that St. Thomas Aquinas says this bordered on the infinite. Isn't that amazing? Her faith and hope and charity were growing even as they bordered on the infinite. And so there's, even though you can have too much courage, which would be foolhardiness, you can't have too much faith in God's eyes. You can't have too much supernatural hope in God's eyes. You can't have too much supernatural charity for him in God's eyes. But this is why the first great commandment comes ahead of the second great commandment. And we're going to talk a little bit later about how inverting those becomes the justification for every sin for the modernist now in the 21st century. Okay, let's look at verse 38. This is the great and first commandment. That's what our Lord says. This is the great and first commandment, to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. Let's look at the Greek there. If you remember, the, the word in Greek for commandment is entole. And then we have these two adjectives there, megale, which you just learned is great. The mega commandment is to love God first, ahead of all people, including yourself, to love God first. That's the mega commandment, the megale entole. But then the other adjective there is prote entole. Prote is cognate or root of the English proton, which means first. This is the first commandment. That's why I call today's VLX the first commandment. Prote entole, the first commandment. And then the second is like this, verse 39, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Father Lapide points out that this one is far inferior. His word's not mine. It's far inferior to the first one concerning love of God. But is it still important? Yes, it's still extremely important. Why? Because we love our neighbor for God's sake. Let me say that again. We love our neighbor for God's sake. Now, that doesn't mean we have to be like, have no affections and be so cool and detached that we're we look like we're just jerks to people. What, it, what that means is that we always love our neighbor in light of the magisterium, never in light of just our own secular feelings. So think about how many saints, this is a little problem in that though, because a lot of saints say, well, you're supposed to have no self-love, but didn't we just hear you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself? So which one is it? If you're not supposed to love yourself, like the saints say, who talk about despising yourself, but then Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Wouldn't that lead to not loving your neighbor at all? If the saints even go so far as to talk about self-hatred? Well, when you really look at what they're saying and look at the real translations, they're just saying you're not supposed to have selfish love. It doesn't mean you're supposed to hate yourself. Christians must avoid a self-centered love and a love of pleasure when there's no concern of God in there. But notice Christ himself again said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Hoseauton in Greek, just in case you doubt it's actually there. Hoseauton means as yourself. So this presupposes a love for yourself. 
In fact, can you really love another person if you don't love yourself for God's sake? No, you can't. So this is why you actually do have to love yourself. This is right there in the Bible today. St. Augustine comments on today's verse. He says, Love of yourself is not omitted here because it is said you should love your neighbor as yourself. Really basic there. Even the church fathers agree you're supposed to love yourself. In fact, Father Lapide goes so far as to, as to write this, quote, In first place, then, God is to be loved with the whole heart above everything. Secondly, oneself, namely one's own soul and body. Thirdly, one's neighbor, end quote. So notice right there, you love first God, then yourself, and then your neighbor. But notice it's all for God's sake, including love of yourself. And that is why this never includes a selfish love of self. Father Lapide says that Christ commands that God be loved with the whole heart and our neighbor not with the whole heart, but as ourselves. You see the difference there? Love God with your whole heart and love your neighbor with your whole heart? No, as much as you love yourself, which is not aiming for the infinite. Notice only God is to be loved with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. And as I said earlier, all modernist sins are the inversion of these two. Every modernist sin is the inversion of the first and second great commandments. What do I mean by that? Okay, many of you know the very first maxim of moral theology day one of moral theology 101. The end doesn't justify the means. What does that mean? It means you can't do something that you think is loving to your neighbor that goes against the Ten Commandments. The end doesn't justify the means. What that means is your goal can never justify any and all means that you want to get there with. So most of you know that excludes sins of commission, but did you know it also excludes sins of omission? What I mean by that, it means you cannot refrain from doing the right thing even if it costs you dear relationships or your job. Why? Because the end doesn't justify the means in traditional theology. You can't do anything you want just to get to a goal that you happen that day to think is good. You know, I'm always shocked how many Catholics I meet who have an excuse for almost any sin, and usually the reason they give is because they love another person or themselves. But that is always from a human point of view instead of a divine point of view. It's, it's loving others or themselves, but not with love of God. How do we know how to love God first? through the Ten Commandments and the Magisterium of the Catholic Church. So again, what do I mean by this inversion of the ten of the two great commandments? I mean, people put love of neighbor ahead of love of God. But that's extremely evil. It's not just like slightly bad theology. When you put love of another ahead of love of God, this is essentially Satanism. And that might sound like an exaggeration, but here's the thing is, is it puts God in second place and you in first place. That is the definition of, of Satanism. And it's extremely evil also because you can justify anything you want really based on your feelings, even abortion. You could say, oh, those kids would lead sad lives of crime and poverty if they were allowed to live. So it can actually sound compassionate to some people. Now, most of you know, most of my listeners know that's an extreme example, but I'm going to give you as good traditional Catholics a good examination of conscience. And I know there's regular Catholics and even non-Catholics listening. So, I mean, this is really good for everybody. Where, this is my question to you, where do you think in your life the end justifies the means? Where you actually start to think that is probably where there's sin. Or the same question put more specifically, what do you do against the Bible or the church's teaching that you genuinely believe you have a good excuse for? 
Okay, like gossip. Well, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to gossip, but I'm really alone and I had to vent to somebody. Oh, you had to vent? So you have an excuse for your sin. And that's exactly where you invert the first and the second great commandment. On several talks that Father Ripperger has given, I'm sure many of you have heard at least one of these, on many talks Father Ripperger has given, he talks about how in an exorcism, Satan admitted how he causes pretty much every sin from great sins in church and government all the way down to the smallest sins we might commit. My nature, said Beelzebub to Father Ripperger, is that I convince people that they cannot be separated from the particular good. Okay, what in the world does that mean? That means Satan gets you to believe, this is right before you sin, and don't just think sixth and ninth commandment sins. I mean, really anything. What does that mean by particular good? That means Satan gets you to believe that there's something in your life you cannot be separated from, that you're attached to, that you like, that you enjoy. Maybe a creature, maybe it's a pleasure, maybe it's a drug. But he gets you to think you can't be separated from it at the price of your relationship with God. That's the key, at the price of your relationship with God. But here's the tricky part. If you're following Satan, you don't realize that sin is at the cost of your relationship with God, especially if modernism has affected your mind. I mean, think of how many Catholic couples have been told by a priest they can use contraception if it gels with their conscience. What does that mean? That means they have chosen contraception at the price of their relationship with God. Now, do they think that they put contraception ahead of God? Of course not. But that's why I say a good examination on today's VLX section is this. Do you actually keep love of God via the magisterium and the Ten Commandments ahead of love of self, ahead of even what, what it might mean at first glance to love your neighbor? And this, again, is why I say a good examination on if you actually love God above creatures is this. Where do you in your life think the end justifies the means? And or, what do you do against the Bible or the church's magisterium, the teaching part, that you genuinely believe you have a good reason for, a good reason to sin? Even if you think it's not sin because you have a good reason, does the church and Bible tell you it's a sin? then you actually don't have any excuse. And you've got to put love of God first. And this is literally where you can identify where Satan has tricked you. Just as Satan admitted to Father Ripperger in an exorcism, my nature is that I convince people that they cannot be separated from the particular good. Okay, let's look at the last verse, verse 40. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So what Jesus is saying right there is if you read the entire Old Testament, all the law, all the prophets really can be boiled down to, one, loving the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind, and secondly, loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, that word in Greek, depend, remember our Lord just said, on these two commandments, depend all the law and the prophets. The word in Greek there is krematai. Krematai is defined as to hang up, to suspend, to be suspended, to hang used of one hanging on a cross, also used of the law and the prophets. So think about that. Literally to hang, the prophets and the law hang on these two commandments, much as Jesus hung on the cross. Remember earlier I said that the theological virtues of faith and hope and charity should have no limit, but the moral virtues should exist in the mean? Well, Father Lapide says that that first tablet of the Ten Commandments, the love of God, that refers to the theological virtues of faith and hope and love, whereas the moral virtues, like courage, 
That refers to the next seven commandments on love of neighbor. Father Lapide writes, The precepts of faith, hope, and charity and religion are included in the commandment to love God, whereas the precepts of justice, truth, fidelity, friendship, mercy, and gratitude are included in the commandment to love of neighbor. So notice right there, love of God even comes before being merciful to neighbor. Does that mean that there's ever a rub between the two? Of course not. Not if you're merciful to your neighbor for love of God in light of the magisterium. But because we're all masters of our own deceit on these things, this is why we need the magisterium, and this is why we must aim first for love of God and the Ten Commandments in light of the Bible before we're just, you know, nice to our neighbor to be accepted. Because let's be honest, it's really easy to say, agree to blasphemy and heresy at the lips of our neighbor, to stay silent in the light of that, excusing ourselves from correcting him. Why? Oh, we usually have some pretext like, we want to love our neighbor or our family member. It's not the right time to evangelize or whatever. Now, I'm not saying every time is the time to correct. I'm not saying every time is the time to evangelize. But we tend to kick the can down the road to always have an excuse to not correct those we love or those who have power over us. Well, the solution today is to keep the first great commandment, love of God, far above and beyond love of neighbor. If we do that, we will succeed at both. Notice I didn't say just love of God. If we do that, we're actually going to succeed at the two great commandments. St. Thomas Aquinas says, Charity makes man tend to God by uniting his affection to God in such a way that man no longer lives for himself but for God. That's the Summa, second part of the second part. Question 17, Article 6. I love that. Love is when a man no longer lives for himself but for God. Isn't that the prayer we should all just pray for each other, everyone who's listening to this podcast today, that everybody listening would come to the point of loving God to the point he no longer lives for himself, but for God. The opposite of that is exactly what Satan admitted to Father Ripperger in an exorcism. My nature is that I convince people that they cannot be separated from the particular good. And keep in mind, when that particular good is not about power or pleasure, it's usually an attachment to some other creature, someone that you know you feel you can't be detached from. And this is why I give you this examination of conscience today on the two great commandments falling in order. One, where in your life do you think the end justifies the means? And two, where do you go against the Bible or the church's teaching where you genuinely believe you have a good excuse to do that? Find that out and root it out, and you will love God more. Thanks to all my benefactors, spiritual material. As you know, my only income comes from you, my listeners. You keep this free for everyone who can't donate. I remember both groups at my masses. Please say an hour, Father, for me at Benedictio Deum Nepotentis. Patris Fiti et Spiritus Santi descended super vos et maniat semper. Amen.